The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. How are you guys? So make sure that you subscribe to all of our social media uh, accounts um, to listen to the podcast as you are listening right now. Um, you can check us out on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. You can follow and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Ebony's in the Ivory. You can follow us on Twitter at Ebs in the Ivory. You can also check out our website at www com, and it is accessible on your iPhone, on your Android. I don't know about your flip phone. Not um, your flip phone. We are mobile capable. So, um, you want to kick off our episode this week, Dr. Paul? Yes. So, I am so excited to talk about this topic. Um, and we have, I think, referenced these things before in, in a different capacity earlier on in um, Ebony's in the Ivory's initial founding. And so I was excited when trying to think of what areas we hadn't really covered, um, specifically, um, to talk about this. And of course we have a, we always put a little spin on our topic. So, um, making sure that we add in something that I think has as far as like a pop culture theme, but also in recognizing, um, a cultural icon. Um, to really think intentionally about our value and about what that looks like both in the doctoral process and in the workforce. So this week's episode, um, is obviously the, the podcast version of our blog from last week, uh, Mama Mentality Evaluation, Salary Negotiations and Promotions. So y'all know I like talking about coins, um, always. And so I think it's really important that as we start to think about, um, particularly as women, um, in the doctoral process and in the job force or the job market, um, we all sort of understand that most of the time we find our fulfillment in the work that we're doing by getting recognition from others. And so what that looks like in the doctoral experience might be, you know, a good evaluation at the end of your first year or being able to move on in the process to your, um, your dissertation defense or to your proposal. And so, um, really being able to know that 
you find that fulfillment in having others recognize um, that you're doing well. And so while a lot of times in when we only think of like the doctoral experience as sort of like, you know, taking classes, writing papers, um, which always seem never ending, but it definitely is also a value and an evaluative um, process which is similar to what happens in the job market too. And so when you think about either scenario, the goal isn't to sort of just be looked at as like competent and doing sort of the bare minimum to like get the job done. So as a doc student, like, yeah, it's cool to make sure you pass all your exams. Um, maybe if you're like a new professor, you're trying to figure out how to navigate the potential in preparing for tenure. Or if you, you know, are a practitioner, whether that's in sort of mental health or in, um, like a medical area, that's not just being seen as a good doctor. That's also just understanding that you go above and beyond for the people you serve. So it really is about like garnering respect, um, but also, you know, getting a little bump in your salary if you can, or a promotion, um, wanting to always continue to like grow and go above and beyond. And so of course, um, when I, when I thought about this and when I think about this, the first person that comes to mind, and I know that he is not a woman, um, but um, in thinking about the most recent loss that we've had in, like I said, cultural icon Kobe Bryant, um, it definitely, you know, is significant in thinking about both his untimely death, but ultimately like with it, with that happening, the legacy he has left behind, I think is massive. Um, and, and I think every day I realize more and more of like just the influence he's had across areas well beyond basketball. And so, um, as we think about our own pursuits and our own desire to want to be better, um, I think it is really, really important to understand what that might look like. And so, why I chose to uh, add that hashtag around the mama mentality and thinking about evaluations and negotiations and promotions um, is really this idea of like work ethic and really understanding how you personally define success and failure. And again, Kobe Bryant was somebody who we know worked super hard. Um, he made sure he let us know you wasn't with him shooting in the gym. Um, and like a lot of times we have those same experiences in the doctoral process and in the job market, um, where, you know, your work ethic is the thing that makes you stand out or your work ethic is the thing like Dr. Bell and I to make you finish a PhD in three years instead of five. And so being able to sort of really understand, uh, what that looks like is going to vary among individuals, but it really comes from something much more deeply rooted, which is that person's. Uh, definition of success and failure and kind of what that can look like as you um, make your own pursuits and your own career choices and life goals. So I really wanted to just share like my approach to this. And I also obviously want to hear Dr. Bell's thoughts around um, how she has navigated this so we can help you all who are listening, think about this in your own way as well. And so um, my thing is, if you feel like you can envision it for yourself and you're willing to work for it, then you can have it. I don't care what it is. And so um, my go-to strategy includes a couple of things that I think are really important as you prepare for some form of evaluation. Again, whether that's in the academic world or in the job market, um, in order to kind of get ready for those important conversations. Cause that's really what it comes down to is self-advocacy and you being able to sort of let people know, um, why you're so great and why you're deserving of whatever that next step or next level is, um, or those extra coins on your check. So, um, my first tip is to really think about like knowing your worth. 
So I think having confidence is everything. And so if you are in pursuit of whatever your passion and your goals are, you don't need to fake it. It needs to be very real. It needs to be something that is deeply rooted in who you are. And so as you know, you're preparing maybe for your proposal defense or getting ready for like a mid-year evaluation on your job. Um, you have to know that you have to be confident about what you bring to the table. So if you know you're an innovator or you know you're a creative or you know you're the person that keeps everybody on track, um, it's okay to be honest about that. That's not boastful. That's letting folks know what you contribute to the team. One of my favorite quotes from Kobe always says, you know, we can... And I think I posted this not too long ago because I really like it. It says we can always kind of be average and do what's normal. I'm not in this to do what's normal. And so I took from that that like, you know, the way that I contribute to a team environment or to an organization or to a doctoral program is that I matter in the process of this whole puzzle coming together. And so being able to really know your worth, understand that is super, super important um, in that process. Uh, the next thing is to be the best and become irreplaceable. As a doctoral student, for me, I always kind of made sure that, you know, I did my best. I, I have a little bit of a type A personality. And um, it was really important for me to stand out among my peers. Because at the end of the day, most people who get accepted into doctoral programs, we're a little bit of perfectionists, like all of us to an extent. And so everybody is hardworking. Everybody has a strong work ethic. And so it takes sometimes just a little bit extra to stand out. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. Um, but I think I wanted my professors to know how I was different and how seriously I took the opportunities that they were giving me by being in the program first, but then also the things that they were working on that I wanted to be a part of. Um, I really wanted to just kind of prove my worthiness from day one. And so that was really important um, for me because ultimately we become our professor's colleagues. And so in the workplace, this might look like, you know, showing your skills and your talents um, that not only make you unique or make you stand out, but that give your company or your organization an edge because that's what everybody's always thinking about anyway. And so as you kind of Go through that process. Make sure you're keeping track of those contributions. So if you help it, if you're a part of a research team um, during your doctoral experience, make sure that you are putting that on your CV. Or if you, you know, join a committee or volunteer for something um, in your role as maybe like an assistant professor or a practitioner at a university, make sure you put that on your CV. Um, you really want to make sure that when that evaluation time comes, you have no issue with showing your supervisor or your professor the value that you add to your team. So I think that's also very critical. Um, the next is to make sure you've researched the market. So you cannot go talking to somebody about money and you don't really know what you're supposed to make. Um, so make sure that you've, <laughs> make sure that you've done your due diligence to understand like the ins and outs of your role and like, you know, obviously make sure that you've mastered the objectives. So like, yeah, you can't go ask for money and you haven't even done the basics. I, and I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but maybe I do. So just really making sure that, you know, you've mastered the basic objectives or goals that have been set for you for that evaluation period. Um, so that, you know, no one can come back and just be like, well, you're asking for money for extra things you've done and you haven't done the basics. And so having a clear understanding of like, what others who might be in your role or who have your job title are earning um, and the scope of like their responsibilities that has to match a little bit is obviously helpful. Um, if you're in the doctoral process, you know, really be able to explain how you plan to use your degree to create change and to influence your field and your hopes 
you know, for the impact that like your contribution both to the literature, if you're working on a PhD or, you know, maybe you're in law school or in med school, um, how do you plan to use this degree that comes with a lot of power to make impact? And so that's something that you need to be aware of. You need to know, you need to understand what people in those roles and in those capacities make as far as money. And so really just making sure that you, you know, the market, you know, what's out there um, and you do your best to, to stay on track of that. Um, then the next step is to get ready, right? You start preparing your proposal. So, um, I think it's really important to like request a meeting. Every time I've had a raise or a title change, I've initiated it. Cause in most cases, um, no one else is going to do that for you. And in most cases, if you are a person of color in a, sp- in a space that is predominantly white, um, a lot of times those folks are not thinking about your, your promotion or your next step. And a lot of times that's not in a malicious way. It's just not a part of their psyche when it comes to thinking about who's on their team and how do you keep those people on your team happy? Um, because in most cases, they, at the very beginning of getting their job or the negotiation process, ask for what they wanted. And so they're like, well, I'm good. So they must be good. And that's not always the case. So ahead of like scheduling that meeting, um, or ahead of that evaluation session for your doc program, it's really important to make sure that you have all the information you've gathered and have your perspectives on your progress and your contributions within that period ready to share. So sometimes, you know, depending on the role you're in, this might be a formal report that you actually prepare. Um, or in some instances, it's going back to like that, that researching the market process and having that data, um, that can be tangible for them to like take with them and really consider your request, um, or your proposal. And so, this, you know, is something that you can actually leave with them so that they can look at it. Um, other times it might just be that you have some formal talking points ready, um, to have sort of, you know, maybe more of an informal discussion, uh, with a supervisor, but knowing that you mean business means you still have to be prepared. And I think understanding like what those points are that you are wanting to let them know, um, as far as like the points we've already covered, your value, the things you bring to the table, what makes you unique and irreplaceable. Um, you want to have that ready to go. Don't go into that sort of meeting blindly. Um, and then the last step, which is probably the most important, is make the ask. So you schedule the meeting, make sure you show up at the meeting, be confident, um, really understand that you've put in a lot of work even just to explore what it would mean to schedule a meeting like that. And then go ahead and send that meeting, send that email for that meeting um, and ask for that review of your compensation or request that conversation with your major professor about the research that they're doing and you want to join. So I think it's really important that if you are not willing to advocate for yourself to understand that it is not anybody else's obligation to do so. And so you have to make the ask, you have to understand your worth and your value so that you can actually see, you know, parts of your career change completely because you decided to be brave enough and bold enough to believe in yourself and the worth that you bring to the table. And so, um, I think one of the things that, uh, and thinking again about this link to the Mamba mentality, um, Kobe puts it where he says, winning takes precedence overall. There's no gray area, no almost. So in my mind, I take that as you always have to be prepared. You always have to be fearless. And so in that instance, you got to be the Mamba. And that gives you sort of this like um, untapped potential and power that in most cases, particularly for us as women and women of color, we just aren't taught that, um, especially generationally. And so now we're a part of a generation though that we are much more willing um, to gather 
you know, people together and make them understand mm-hmm. where we stand and what we won't stand for and jobs that we won't stay on. And I think that that's like really critical to sort of know and understand. And so those, again, are my um sort of personal tips in the process that I have I think experience in the times where I've either had evaluations as a part of, you know, my doctoral program, um, but also as I've been able to navigate the job market, that's, that's how that's gone. And obviously I have not always done it perfect. If you read the blog and you saw what things I shared, I have, I have screwed us up royally. Dr. Bellis also had to hear my anxieties preparing for some of these meetings and me being like, Okay, maybe I shouldn't ask. Like, maybe I'm, maybe it's too soon or whatever. And so I think in those instances, it was because either I was lacking the confidence or I hadn't f- properly prepared. And so I think just being able to know that if you're prepared, you have the ability to be fearless. Um, then you can, you can do anything. Um, and so I think just being able to understand that is really, really important. So, uh, Dr. Bell, let's get your perspective. Um, can you maybe share with our Ebony's like some of the important either traits or skills that you feel like are important to develop to stand out in those evaluation periods, both, you know, in the doctoral process, but also in the workforce as well? Like what are some of the things either you did or what traits do you think are important? I think it's important to um, go in, like you said, prepared. So like, um, if you're, you know, requesting a salary negotiation meeting, like be, being able to market yourself and like know what you bring to the table is very important. Mm-hmm. Being able to provide data, um, mm-hmm. that kind of correlates with what you're asking for, searching the job market, um, just like we do on resumes where we pull it and say, hey, in this, this position, I did this, 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 and this position, I did this. And like just knowing how to market yourself, I think is really important um, during professional um, negotiations or um, evaluations too. Um, it's funny because um, I've recently been talking about professional evaluations and there is a time, hopefully, um, where you're able to give your feedback if you're getting evaluated professionally um, and then being able to provide, you know, data as to why you feel like you're doing a good job or if you um, disagree with your evaluator's um, perspective, being able to voice that Um also in the doc process so um if you're asking for something or you disagree with you know someone in your um in your on your committee or you disagree with something that your chair is saying or um you want to be able to be a part of something being able to state you know explicitly why this is important or why you have the facts or the data to back up what you're saying i think that's really important yeah I agree. I think anytime you um, can show proof or evidence of, you know, your why in either case, right, in the doctoral process or in the workforce, um, you're always going to make a stronger case to get what you're you're looking for, get what you're going for. So I agree for sure. I think um, Albert Einstein said, um, without data, it's just an opinion, basically. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> I mean... So, like, just just having that to be able to stand on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, um, well, another important trait or skill um, that I think is really important is to understand that you belong where mm-hmm. you're trying to go. 
Yeah. Um, and your path, you know, has been ordained and that you should not let fear or imposter syndrome stop you from pursuing what you, what you need to pursue or going where you need to go. Um, I think that's very important. And earlier you spoke about, you know, confidence and, um, you know, those times where we do let fear and like self doubt try to talk us out of things that clearly we're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't know everything, of course, we're brilliant, brilliant enough to go and research and do what we need to do to make sure that the gaps are filled. Um, but just being confident and knowing that you belong um, wherever you're trying to go and literally you put your mind to whatever you can literally do anything that you want to do. Yeah. Um, so just like believing in yourself and um, like drowning out the voices and mm-hmm. doing that positive self-talk, doing some envisioning, um, like envisioning the win, I think is really important. I love to do that when mm-hmm. I have time to like meditate. Every I, I feel every big, I don't know, move or change um, it was good for me, good for my career. Like I saw it before it happened. Yeah. Like you have to see it before you see it. Yeah. I firmly believe in that. So being able to clear your headspace, clear your mind, and be able to see it uh, propels you to be able to do it and do it confidently. So I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, so, Dr. Bell, like in this process, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't had, we didn't have Ebony's and Ivory. Um, we, did we did not have anything like that to be able to get advice or things about, you know, understanding um negotiation salary performance reviews all that stuff so who did or maybe even now even though ebony's and ivory exist um and we have each other uh, but who did or do you now go to for advice about these sort of things um so that you know we want people looking beyond ebony's and ivory too so who should maybe they consider um asking some of these questions to or are using uh to prepare for kind of these big moment moments so what I'll first speak about is who um, our evidence can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, let's say you work in academia, you work in a, um, at an institution, um, most institutions. Um, I think a couple last podcasts we talked about um, kind of new centers and financial um, financial information centers on um, campus um, that mm-hmm. provide services not only to students but also to faculty and staff. That's um, an option. HR is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in in all spaces, HR you know may not be as helpful, um, but that is an option. There are community spaces like I know back home. Um, there are a lot of um, seminars that the community puts on about money management, about negotiation, salary negotiations, and um, professionalism. Um, so that's something if you, you know, are inclined to do research and find, you know, somewhere near you um, who, who's doing that or find somebody who, you know, has, has gone to those places that you want to go, like your mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, those are great people to talk to. Um, maybe if they're not even your mentor and you reach out um, and say, you know, this is, I'm having questions about this. Um, you know, could you guide me? Could you help me? 
Um, people who I'm not even mentors to ask me stuff like this all the time. Oh, can you can you just take a quick glance at my resume? Or what about this? Or what about that? Or what what you what do you think about this job? And like I'm always you know willing to share whatever knowledge I have. Um, me personally, I go straight to my daddy. Uh, yeah, because he's an he, HR expert. He, he, he's the HR <laughs> guru, literally. Like there's nothing he doesn't know. Um, he's been in HR since he for like 35 years, almost 40 years. Um, you know, he was one of the top HR um, administrators in the state of Louisiana, so he clearly knows what he's talking about. He used mm-hmm. to work for the governor, um, who is still the governor. Um, but he also is um, a professor at an HBCU in Louisiana, so he teaches HR law. You know, he teaches uh, the MBA program, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, and I always, like, run things by him. Like, I never worry about, um, you know, getting cheated out of anything or um, the wool being pulled over my eyes as far as it relates to, like, compensation or HR policies or evaluations. Like, that's what we all go to, like, mm-hmm. my husband included. Like, oh, you got a question about any sort of, um, you know, career um, issue or concern or HR question, like that's the person to go to. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed in that, you know, I can easily just move the phone and call my daddy. <laughs> he knows, he knows. He knows it all. He, he knows, knows it, all. it all. Um, I agree. I think all those examples are right. Mentors, parents, um, but experts in the field who for us, we just happen to have parents who might be experts in the field. Um, It's just being able to sort of like have your list of go-to people. And so for me, I usually tell people like, oh, yeah, I talk to like my personal board of advisors. Right. And so these include people like Dr. Bell. Um, My mom is definitely a sounding board for me because she checks me too. Dr. Bell does too, y'all, a lot. So, uh, (laughs) So it's just being able to be aware, though, of like who those people are and, and the reason you have them. And so I also have mentors and we've talked about some of ours on here when it, especially when it came to our doctoral process, like Dr. Shonda Allen Mitchell and like some of those people who, you know, again, they're going to give us a good answer, not always the one we like. And sometimes it is about having that person who you know is going to push you and not the one that's going to just kind of go along to get along because you feel good about what they share. And so, um, particularly when it comes to certain conversations around salary and negotiations and performance reviews, I'm going to ask people who've been there. Like I'm going to ask people who've had time in the field and who've gone through that. So, cause I know that they have experiences to share and I know they'll keep it real with me about it. Um, particularly if I've watched them go through it and I've seen them come out on the other side successful. So um, I agree. I think that list is very important. Um, and knowing who those people are ahead of time so that as you are preparing or that if you have a short turnaround time of when you can get prepared, you have some great go-to people um, and you don't have to rely on like the internet <laughs> to do that. Um, and if nothing else, if you're listening to this, you know you at least have Dr. Bell and I to go back and listen to these things and be able to sort of know and understand that you have a, a good sound place to start. We We know we don't have all the answers, but... We've had some experiences and it has allowed us to be able to share those with you guys. So um, if nothing else, you got us. 
<laughs> um, so last question, Dr. Bell, because I think it is very important that we all have, um, a mentality that is centered around like who we are and being strong and being successful and defining what that is. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like Kobe Bryant did a great job through his, uh, experience as an athlete. Um, even the things we continue to learn about him as a father, um, his support of women, um, and women in sports in particular, then his creative side, like he just won an Oscar last year, like all these things, um, contribute to what at the time when I think he used, started using the term Mamba mentality, people only saw it as basketball and it's so much bigger than that. Um, so how do you define your mama mentality or like, do you feel like you have a mama mentality and how do you, how do you define that? I don't think I would have made it this far without one, but yeah. Um, <laughs> what I will say, and it still can be, it, it still can be cultivated and honed. I mean, cause Kobe Bryant was almost otherworldly in a sense. Like he was just like, wow. Like I, as, as details, like you said, began to come out and, began to learn new things about what he um, was setting up, um, the legacy that he left, um, the legacy that he was creating for his children, for the world, for women in sports. Um, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Um, but I think that um, what I kind of attribute um, to what he was able to um, kind of I don't know, kind of touch through mama mentality is this idea of um, cultivating your gifts. So you spoke about it earlier um, in that his hands were everywhere. He wasn't just resigned to, okay, I'm going to be a basketball player mm-hmm. and then I'm going to retire and I got all this money and that's just going to be it. I'm going to, you know, just sit back in the lap of luxury. No, like he was still working hard and um, something I always um, just kind of, you know, believe about myself is like if you only think that you know I'm a school counselor if you only think that I have a PhD and if you only think that this is the realm that I work in you don't know me yeah like you don't you don't know me um because I have been and all of us have have been you know gifted with many gifts um and there are um many venues um you know that I have um, a proclivity to be excellent and so um, don't think you know me by one thing that I do because that's mm-hmm. not the only thing that's in, that's in the that's on the inside of me yeah um, same with Kobe if you thought he was just a basketball player you were absolutely and totally wrong as we see now if you thought he was just an athlete you missed it you know mm-hmm. so I think that um, us you know um, you know being inspired to like cultivate our gifts and to be used up before it's time to leave and um legacy not only meaning money Mm -hmm. because it's bigger than like it's about what we can contribute to this world what we can contribute to um other individuals that god has placed placed in our past um i think in doing that um in excellence in my opinion, is the mama mentality. And that's kind of um, what I seek to do personally. Yeah. Um, and just to be, you know, just to just to not be boxed in, like not to have limits on my life. Yeah. Um, but to be used, you know, in the ways that I know that God has ordained me um, to be used. So, yeah, that's a word right there. That's a word. 
Um, I definitely, I agree. I think, you know, your mama mentality is self-defined, but it really is about understanding your purpose and your will, which is gifted to you, um, before you even are here, like before you're born, um, you are already called into a purpose and you have also been given the grace to fulfill it. It's whether or not you decide to tap into that. And so that's what I think about the mama mentality is doing everything to be sort of in hot pursuit of like the, that, that untapped grace or the things that you are supposed to do so that, like you said, you can, you leave this world empty. Like you poured it out. You poured out everything you had. Um, so that, you know, you know, you fulfilled what you were supposed to do. And so, um, I know for me more than ever, like really embracing my mama mentality, um, has been important. Uh, we lost Kobe Bryant on my birthday and I thought that was, in some ways, very significant in the sense of like me figuring out for myself, what does that look like to sort of have a legacy that's that large and larger than life to the point where people um, around the world understand the impact and the influence that you have. And so um felt like some in some ways that was a sign for me uh, to really understand what that looks like, not only for you know, celebrating life per se, but like, how, what are you doing with your life and how are you fulfilling your purpose? And so, um, we both plan to carry out our mama mentality for the rest of our lives. And so being able to make sure that you guys who are listening, you know, figure out how you define that. And maybe your mentality is in mamba. Maybe like Beyonce is your girl, like me. And maybe you have some type of mentality. She got her, yeah, she has a mama mentality. Um, but she has her own as well. Like her mentality, you might call your Joe Beyonce or your Sasha Fierce or whatever. Like everybody has that thing that they tap into. Um, and it's based on just understanding like who you are and, and what that looks like. And so, um, I just think really, you know, knowing what that looks like. So hopefully you understand what your, um, mob mentality is and how, you want to define that as you pursue your academic goals, your career goals, um, your promotional goals. And we hope that at least our small bit of advice will help get you started. Um, so right here, we're going to go ahead and take a break and then we'll be right back with our signature segments. All right, friends, we are back with our signature segments. Uh, first up, Dr. Bell's favorite two words to say is culture corner. Culture corner. <laughs> she leveled up in 2020. She ain't never messed that up. So let me just let y'all know. <laughs> so this month's culture corner, um, I thought was very interesting, particularly because last month we talked about like, like finances and money and really understanding, you know, how to get your coins right. Uh, and then today we're talking about getting raises to pay your bills and all the other things you want to do. Um, and I came across this story, um, in the Daily Californian. It was also referenced in the Journal of Blacks and Higher Ed, 
Um, but it's specifically about a report that shows that certain lenders were actually charging higher loan interest rates for underrepresented students. Um, and what was more specific when I looked at the story on uh, the Journal of Blacks and Higher Ed was that they were in particular doing this at a lot of HBCUs and Hispanic serving institutions specifically. And I was appalled. Um, so the Student Borrow Protection Center, also known as the SBPC, um, put out a report back in February that showed certain lenders have been charging those higher interest rates, particularly, like I said, at those historically black and Hispanic serving institutions. And so the study itself, um, was kind of figuring, trying to figure out how to investigate whether equal economic and educational op- opportunities are accessible to those marginalized groups. And so they kind of ended up stumbling upon this information as they were um, conducting that specific research. And so the report said that students who went to HBCUs may pay more than other students when they end up refinancing their loans, especially through companies like Upstart. And so not necessarily through the federal government. So we don't want, you know, throw them under the bus right now. But some of these other companies that do refinancing, you have to be careful um, because they will base it on where you went to school, which is insanity. And so, for instance, um, a loan applicant might expect to pay about $3,500 more for a 30000 five-year loan because they went to Howard, which is an HBCU. Um, or for instance, if they went to like New Mexico State at Las Cruces, which is, you know, a HSI, Hispanic Serving Institution, um, their interest rates are higher simply because of where they went to school. So we know that's ridiculous. Um, so there was a letter that was written to Upstart specifically by, um, some senators that you might know, Kamala Harris, Sherrod Brown, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Cory Booker, Bob Mendez. Um, about these companies' specific use of educational data, so that this, that sort of demographic data of where they went to school, um, that could obviously result in discrimination against these underrepresented students. And so what the Bureau found was that the use of um, a cohort default rate to determine loan eligibility and underwriting and pricing can have a disparate impact on minority students by reducing their access to credit and then ultimately requiring those minority students to pay higher interest rates um, you know, that are available to maybe like more credit worthy white students at schools. Um, and so the letter kind of just walks them through the process of understanding what these like factors look like and really asking those private companies to raise their standards, um, and, and offer fair lending opportunities. And so, um, what ultimately I think or I hope maybe will happen is that, um, as some of the legal proceedings for this comes out, um, that there will be, you know, more questioning of what this looks like and then where are we providing information to folks after they get done with school of how to properly refinance and consolidate their loans um, and be a part of, you know, actual federal government opportunities like loan forgiveness and things like that um, ahead of time versus, you know, when it's too late. And so um, according to um, a student loan lawyer that is referenced in the article, um, their questions that they want to know would be the things that really answer, like, you know, who gets to access, like, those credits around those lower interest rates and so, and how much in order to sort of make a real impact and how that person's able to start taking care of their loans when that, um, kind of delayed period ends, that six months after you get done out of school, they call in. They want to know where you at. Um, and so particularly knowing that those, impact marginalized communities more. Um, I thought it was just a very interesting story to really 
help us to start thinking more intentionally like we did last month about, you know, finances and credit worthiness and understanding, you know, how student loans and other forms of loans really impact and influence um, how uh, we're able to sort of dig ourselves sometimes out of the financial holes we find ourselves into or how, you know, you get your first check and you got to spend a, a portion of it, a grip in order to pay your student loan bill, but your student loan and this person who maybe went to a PWI um, for the same amount of money, their interest rate is lower simply because of where they chose to go to school. So we understand the unfairness in that and for sure want to uh, highlight that. So definitely check that story out in the Californian. Uh, Dr. Bell, you got anything else to say about that? I know we talked a lot about finances last week, but anything to add or your thoughts on it? I mean, um, like, not surprised, um, because, um, predatory lending tactics definitely affect, uh, marginalized or underrepresented students, um, more, mm-hmm. uh, and these students are less likely as it is to be able to pay off their loans in, like, the 10-year term that, it's like the standard term. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, higher interest rates, um, you know, are given to these students, which then affects how much actually goes to the principal, which then increases you know, total loan balances and um, extends the life of the loan. So um, I just, I just, I don't understand like I just it isn't it's almost in the same line of men getting paid more than women right for women right like there's no good reason as to why yeah um so it just I mean like the PC way that I'm gonna say it is that it's disheartening um and I hope that um the senators um who exposed and written a letter to upstart um I hope that this kind of um, shed some light into what will be going on. So. Yeah, definitely. So check that out if you're interested in more information about it, particularly if maybe you went to an HBCU and you want to find out. You have the right to call these companies um, and either you know have them take a closer look at how to determine your, um, your interest rate um, as well as to make sure that they aren't conducting discriminatory practices um, as well as you have the ability and the right to move your loans at any time to another lender um, and so those things are also just important to know. But again, tips and tools that maybe we wouldn't know unless we had experienced them. So just um, take a look at that story if you're interested in more um, information about it. And make sure you, again, watch your coins. Watch where they're going. <laughs> so last up, our favorite, 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 favorite part of the show is... Ebony's in the spotlight, and I'm super excited about this because this is our girl. I'm so excited um, to be able to highlight. And as I was trying to think of folks, um, because none of y'all ain't send us no people this month. We just we just saying. Um, so get on your job if you're listening and you know you've done something great. You need to you need to let us know. Um, but we'll get back to that later. So just make sure that you, you know, you send us your info. Um, so our friend, uh, she was, she was shooting with us in the gym for a certain part when she was in law school. Um, 
And some of those days where we were having writing sessions, she was right there, not necessarily working on a dissertation, but working on her own stuff that I didn't want anything to do with. Uh, and <laughs> so she is a great friend of ours. She's a wonderful person. Um, and so we want to highlight as this month's Ebony in the Spotlight, Mrs. Cassandra Rito Noel Esquire. Um, and so she. <laughs> I'm tired, y'all. Uh, so, so she, uh, Cassandra was born and raised in Louisiana. So she's a Louisiana girl, just like us. Uh, she moved to Houston, Texas, though, after Hurricane Katrina. Um, she's a graduate of Spring High School in Spring, Texas, and received her undergraduate degree and law degrees from the Louisiana State University. Go Tigers. Um, she is a licensed attorney in the state of Texas and is currently working as an attorney for Montgomery County Women's Center, which is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Uh, she also owns three businesses, y'all. Like, y'all think me and Dr. Bell do a lot? Like, Cassandra got like six jobs, like for real. Um, and so she, um, has all three of those in the Houston, Texas area. One is called Keep the Bouquet. Keep the planner and keep the photo. And all of these are in the wedding industry and are focused on providing brides and grooms with all of their wedding planning needs. So I love that she is so diversified in that way. Like she is your attorney and she is your wedding planner at the same time. Um, and so right on the spot. Look at that. Um, <laughs> um, and I don't know why she put this because this was her bio she sent us, but she said, believe it or not. <laughs> Um, we believe it, Cassandra, obviously. Uh, she is also an adjunct a professor for the College of Healthcare Professionals and teaches courses in the health and ethics law and business law, um, areas. And so we are so proud of her. She is a great example of an ebony that, you know, went the terminal degree route in a different area. And I don't know that we've really had anybody outside of like maybe a PhD or an EDD. And so if we have, and I forgot, I'm sorry, but I think that she is our first. Um, and just understanding that Ebony's in the Ivory is really for everybody. It's about the pursuit of higher education. And so we're so happy to highlight her because she has done such a wonderful job. She is a wonderful person. She's a great attorney. Um, and she, again, she was with us shooting in the gym. So we saw her progress. We saw her struggle. Um, and I know it wasn't yeah. always easy. And so, mm-hmm. uh, we value like her. definition of persistence. So For sure. You love to see it. Yeah. As the, as the kids say, you love to you see love it. You love to see it. So, so we like, are so proud. Yeah. So we are proud. super proud of you. It. Um, both of y'all need to come visit me in Baton Rouge, but whatever. Um, we'll get girl, back. Girl, this Rona, girl. <laughs> Not Rona. Not Rona. Um, so we're super proud of you. We are so happy to highlight you for this month's Ebony in the Spotlight. And we cannot wait to see all the other things that you will continue to do both in the legal world and in the wedding industry. Um, and so we are happy to highlight you at this, as this month's Ebony in the Spotlight. Yay. Yay. Well, Dr. Bell, that's the end. We made it. Already. Already. I know. Another month down. All right, people. Well, (laughs) we are at the end of our episode and we are so happy that you tuned in. We appreciate, we're laughing because we're crazy. Um, we appreciate your dedication to Ebony's in the Ivory. We have still so much more in store for season three of the podcast. Um, and for Ebony's in the Ivory in general. 
please be on the lookout for a big announcement next month about our first event that's coming and we're super excited about it. Um, so make sure that you tune in so you can start getting some information about that. Um, so stay on pins and needles. Um, of course, as always, make sure you are checking out social media for our EITI Tuesdays, uh, whether that's our Ebony's in the Spotlight highlight, um, our Tuesday, our Tribe Tuesdays, um, or when we release our blog and podcast. And so if you haven't already, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe. And if you have, make sure you get a friend to like, follow, and subscribe. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, make sure you submit your or your fellow EITI accomplishments yes. so that we can highlight and spotlight you. And we have been getting, I'm not going to try to play y'all. Y'all, people have been sending theirs. And so we've had for the last few months, some folks who have submitted. And so we appreciate you all, but we know that there are more of you because so many of you listen. And so we know um, that you guys are out there doing wonderful things. And so like we said, no accomplishment is too small. So please make sure you let us know so that we can shout you out on the podcast. Yes, um, you are worthy of being celebrated. Yes, amen. So just make sure that if you have not done any of those things, that you do them. Um, and we'll be right back here next month with a new topic, a new episode, um, and more exciting things from the Ebony's community to share. So that's all, folks. We're done, Dr. Bell. Bye, Ebony's. Bye.